This is great. Chilling by the ocean, waves crashing, drink on the side. Death Star flying above me. Are those Typhons? <laughs> out and our blockade is legal. Join Robin Boat and Sean Michaud right now. Right now. This is Admiral Radis of the Rebel Alliance. Call of the Brick City Blockade. AP5 has an idea. Welcome back to the Brick City Blockade podcast. Are you tired of hearing from us yet? Are, are, are you getting tired of any of the Clone Wars or Star Wars Day stuff? No? All right, cool. Because we ain't done yet. We got so much more coming up here at the podcast. If you guys have been following across social media at this point, so much great stuff came out today. Uh, not only on Disney+, Plus, but we got an announcement. But l- listen, I'm just going to shut up. And I'm, I'm going to talk to my good friend here, Mr. Jeffrey Cagle himself, Imperial Talker. What is up, my friend Jeff? And how has your Star Wars Day been? I, I honestly, until you just said that, I had no idea it was Star Wars Day. Look no at idea. that. I know, right? Look at that. No, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. I, I feel like after, um, after five years, as of today, my blog is, is five years old. I should, know that, wow. uh, I, I should know that today is Star Wars Day. Yeah, so. you know what? Sometimes these days creep up on you. You don't they know. Do. You don't know. Well, especially, especially when you're in the middle of quarantine. Oh, I'm telling you. But the one thing I will say is, like, if I'll say it. If you did know that it was Star Wars Day, <laughs> if you did, just just happen to put yeah. it up, yeah. um, and you were in quarantine, I'm telling you, man. Like, between the Clone Wars stuff and then the announcement of uh, Takiti coming in to to direct a Star Wars film and, and to have some female co-producers and co-writers with him as well. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, there's so much great stuff. I'm just going to throw it over to you. Number one, did you watch the final episode of Clone Wars and did you need as many tissues as I did? <laughs> I did watch it. And I will, I will say... Um... I, I'm still kind of processing it. It was a, okay. it was a lot to take in. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I I will admit I didn't need any tissues. Okay. But okay. I feel like that's more because it like I was really, really impressed by just the whole visuals and the Ooh. music and the whole thing. Just the whole thing was just very well put together. And it's almost it almost felt like it was so much that I need to go back and watch it a couple more times to really start to to process it even even more. Right, right. Yeah, I totally feel you on that one. And let me say about the music, too. I'm just going to throw this out there, Lucasfilm. All y'all out in San Francisco, all right? Kevin Kiner has now given you multiple products, all right, with some pretty freaking amazing music, all right? I think this dude, I don't know whether it's going to be something on down the road. This dude needs to do some Star Wars music for a film. Like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And, I, you know, I, I agree with you on the music, too. Like, literally, the, the, the way that they built this episode. I'm going to say built it because Filoni builds things. <laughs> the way yeah. that he puts together Star Wars products. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to hear your perspective on this is that when this, this particular episode, I'm trying to get my words straight because I'm so excited about this. Um, when this particular episode came out and we all sat there and we watched it. That that one the opening scene essentially, when Rex and Ahsoka are working their way out, 
even before then, the music that they played was Padme, her death music. Mm, yeah. And yeah, I noticed that, that was literally the transition, that moment where Anakin is gone and Vader becomes and his loved one is gone, but Luke and Leia are born. Like, yeah. just that, you hear that music, Jeff, and you're like, holy crap. Like, that just happened right there, and now we're in that post-period. Yeah, it's sort of it's it sort of uh, felt like, with them playing the, the Padme death music, that it was almost like signifying the end of the Clone Wars, like the death of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of foreshadowing in that episode, you know, the death of the, the death of the clones themselves. And I, and I think that's the, if there's one sort of emotional piece that did get me in, Mm -hmm. in the episode, it was really the fact that this episode really puts the exclamation point on the fact that these clones Mm -hmm. were bred with a single purpose. Yeah. That is, that is all they were ever good for. Yeah. That whole so all of this, all the stuff about defending, you know, the Grand Army of the Republic, defending the Republic, and you know, the Jedi taking control of the army, it all leads to a ship going down in the atmosphere of an unnamed moon with these clones willing to die just to kill one person who's technically not even a Jedi anymore. Right, right, which is what Rex says to them, and they're just like, Yeah, yeah, right, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're our brother, but you're our brother to a point, you know, then we're going to just execute you for it. Right. Absolutely. It's fascinating because the, the one thing that I think it reminded me most of, and I think was a little eerie for me, I don't know if it was for you or whether you picked up on this or not even, which I'm going to be curious to hear is that when you look at the wreckage and then you see where Mm. it is, you know, Ahsoka's there, Rex burying his brothers and then putting the helmets on the, the sticks. Yeah. Was like, oh, she's a crow. Like that's that's serious <laughs> stuff. That is some serious, yeah. serious, in-depth stuff. And the way that it transitions, of course. And I also I said this with a couple of other people today. I'm going to say it with you because Dave Hackerson, our good friend, made such a very good point this morning on our first recording for Star Wars Day. And he said, Robin, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is the first time. That we've ever seen, maybe in Star Wars, and he was like, correct me if I'm wrong, the changing of seasons on a planet. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I did right? notice that. Yeah, that's really that's really surprising. Yeah, because we had never seen anything like that before. But then he also made another connection, and I've been thinking about it throughout the day, talking with Rural Farm Boy, talking with the other guys here uh, about this episode in particular. And it really was that transition from Ahsoka... And Rex being on that planet, burying his, you know, basically burying his brothers. Ahsoka leaves her saber there. And then he was like, the snow is falling. The coldness of the Empire takes over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude, chills. Chills. I'm going to get one of those Empire Strikes Back parkas from Columbia. Chills. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I thought, I thought that was a really, it was a really cool move to do that. It was, it was a surprising move. Um and and I would even add to that, like just just you know, in terms of ancient mythology and and all that, the changing of the seasons, mm-hmm. winter signified death, basically, yeah. you know. So so you have the snow falling on this on this wintry in this winter landscape now, after the changing of the seasons, like you just mentioned, and you have literally the Lord of Death walking through the snow. 
I mean, that's it threw me back to Hoth right away with the snowtroopers and the pro oh, absolutely. Yeah, also, and I am a I am a big fan of snowtroopers, so give me more snowtroopers <laughs> in Star Wars. Yes. yes, our first real look at them, and and I would say the animated form as well. Yeah, yeah, I think For you're probably my... I think you're probably right. Yeah. 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 Except other than the other than the clones that wore some some snowtrooper gear at times, which right, was kind of a neat right. little little nod to them. That was that is cool. It's super cool. But for you here, as we're moving forward, because we get a we got a lot of other stuff that happened today. I've been kind of picking through the Mandalorian docu series uh, a little bit here and there, looking at some of the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff coming up down the road here, especially with the Mandalorian. And this is my chance to finally talk to you about everything that we (laughs) saw with the Mandalorian now heading into season two as well. Yeah. And I was keeping my fingers crossed that maybe Dave and Kathy would come up on the screen today on YouTube and say, Hey, you're getting it early. Oh my goodness. You know, but no, we're not getting, they they, they like their timeline. They like where they're playing with it. Yeah. But for you, what is the one thing for you on this star Wars day? With, when it comes to The Mandalorian, what is the one thing you are super excited about with this upcoming season that maybe we saw play out with season one? Oh, man. That is that is big. It is. Uh, I, you know, the, the thing that really got me in season one was the fact that you, you have this character who is bounty hunting for himself but also you find for his clan for his for his mandalorian clan right and and this sort of shifts on to the child right like so he right he starts to have this relationship with the asset with the the child that's with him and this change of heart and everything and so i'm really fascinated now that he has sort of been forced to adopt the child sort of almost (laughs) like a mandalorian like as if the child is becoming a Mandalorian. Sure. What, how he goes about relating to the child now that he has this sort of code of responsibility yeah. that's been placed on him. It's not just that the child is with him. It's that he's literally, according to the traditions of Mandalore, now absolutely tied to this, this thing that yeah. he has no idea what to do with otherwise. He did not like hearing in that last episode, well, you're responsible with the child with for now, and you have to go and find its proper place. And he's like, well, what if, you know, what the hell? What am I supposed to do here? Right, right. <laughs> and yeah, finally absolutely. she's like, this is the way, and he's like, damn it! Damn it, damn it, damn it. Alright, she said this is the way. I gotta be responsible for this kid now. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's fascinating, too, Jeff, because with that responsibility now comes one of the biggest star wars questions i think we've always wondered since the original trilogy and all the way into the prequels is what is yoda's species what 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 is it exactly and this is going into territory that i never thought they would let dave filoni take it into but i'm so happy it is him i'm so you know i i i kind of hope they still don't tell us though I, I, part of me likes that mystery. I, I yes. like that mystery. I like the idea of not knowing something in Star Wars. And, and there's definitely an there comes a point where oversaturation of information is not yes. necessarily working to a story's favor. Right. Um, but I do think I think if nothing else, they're they're aware enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Filoni and Favreau and, and the whole the whole gang that they that they have working on this to know that like 
they have to do this very carefully because yeah. they're playing yeah. with a with a character based off of Yoda, obviously, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Lucas created. And if Lucas didn't want them want us to know, then they need to be careful with that. And I think they yeah. will be. Yeah, it's Dave. I mean, you saw the little bit where um, they sat down, Dave Filoni and uh, and George had that whole thing with, um, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it was on the Star Wars special on YouTube. I was able to watch that. And I think the entire fandom got a chance to see what, what their discussion was like and how George basically brought up Dave, basically as a Padawan to the master. And, <laughs> you, you know, it, that development, as is Dave Filoni, the the master now of not just animated projects, but the master of basically telling a Star Wars story in many ways, um, is really starting to play out here. I think Jeff, the other thing that's really fascinating for me going into the Mandalorian season two is the freaking dark saber. Like, come on, man, mm-hmm. Moff Gideon with the dark saber. Now we've seen the siege of Mandalore in the Clone Wars. This has me thinking that there's probably a third Siege of Mandalore after the events of Return of the Jedi, when the Empire's scrambling, because how the hell else does Moff Gideon get the Darksaber? Yeah, yeah, there, and there's some allusions to some purge of Mandalore right, that like they talk purge. about in Season 1. And and initially, because they're using the terminology of a purge, it's like, are they talking about the Jedi purge? What are, what are we doing right, here? Right, right. Um, but but there's definitely some opportunity to play with some backstory there. And I would I would not be surprised if Moff Gideon at some point shows up in some like original trilogy era comics or books or something, right. starting to fill in that fill in that backstory about him and then mm-hmm. what his relationship is going to be obviously to the Mandalorians and yeah, so on and so forth. There's such a connection with that too, Jeff, in terms of the last person to have it was Bo-Katan. She yeah. was the last individual. Yeah. Sabine left it with her. So <laughs> major character right there. I mean, <laughs> the sister of, of Satine and that is deep Mandalorian root right there. Yeah. And we know Mandalorian's not technically a Mandalorian. He was raised by death watch essentially. But in that perspective, there is so much exploration that maybe he's going to find out more in season two about his clan and about more about the Mandalorians that brought him up, which I think is is absolutely fascinating if we want to tell more of the story of Star Wars. And we know Dave is so buried into Mandalorian lore and the code and everything. I think that is some fascinating playing ground for that. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think that there's really a lot. I I mean, it it, it definitely helps Filoni and the, and the rest of them that they have basically the entire expanded universe slash legends that they can just go and poach all of Mandalorian history from. Yeah. So that's that definitely works to their favor because yeah. there is so much that's already already there that they can easily kind of just pull over and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna reuse these things and we're gonna start building out um, and kind of showing you know. Whether it's Death Watch, whether it's it's you know the Mandalorian himself, his clan, and how he was you know as a young child, what that looked like when he was interacting with them, and I really do hope we get some more of those flashbacks. Mm. I thought it was really cool seeing a like a, a super battle droid, <laughs> right? Um, in one of those flashbacks, and it's like, all right, the, give me more of this. Like, just give me more like Mandalorians fighting battle droids. I can I can handle that all day. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, just Mandalorians and jetpacks in general, we saw that, of course, with the Clone Wars and with the Mandalorian in particular. I mean, we're playing into some very, very interesting territory that back in 2012, Jeff, I said you're freaking crazy. You're freaking crazy if you think that Lucasfilm under Disney is going to touch some of the stuff that we have grown to love and some of the backstories and lore that we have enjoyed for years. and. We are just in such fascinating territory as fans when it comes to that. Now, one of the last things I want to ask you about here, before I let you go on this beautiful May the 4th Eve, because <laughs> there's so much more to come down the road here. I feel like we're not done yet for the night. There's They're going to leave us off on something tonight here on May the 4th. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And, you know, the last thing I want to talk to you about quickly, and it's not being talked about a lot just yet, but I okay. think this is very interesting playing ground, is the High Republic stuff. You know? Okay. We, okay. Heard, a pro- we heard a Project Luminous for so long, and all these authors getting together, working on something. Working on something. And finally we get told... That there's going to be this High Republic period that's going to be spanning, you know, many, many years before the events of Phantom Menace. And then we start seeing pictures. We start seeing the artwork. We start seeing, you know, very interesting spaces within the timeline starting to fill in, not yet with story, but with pictures of what these Jedi look like. Now, for you, when it comes to High Republic, I was always an Old Republic fan. Always. I Mm -hmm. love the medieval style early Star Wars discussion. Oh, I like yeah, the idea absolutely. of I like the idea of, Je- of of Jedi with backpack powered lightsabers. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like Ghostbusters type stuff at that point. But at the same time, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the High Republic itself and what you think they could do with that space of time because even Yoda could exist within that time period, knowing how old he is. Yeah, and I will I will say I I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong that Kevin Scott is one of the writers. Yes. Um yes. that's working on it and and if you go and look in the in the Jedi Lost, the Dooku Jedi Lost um that he wrote, there is a very small you you will miss it if you're not looking for it. Mm-hmm. There's a very small mention of the High Republic in Ooh. there. And and it's almost like he was teasing something before this was even announced. So I actually right. I, I was talking with a friend of mine and we were talking about the book and I opened it up literally to that page. And I was like, huh, OK. All right. I see what you're doing, Kevin Scott. I see. I see you. Um, but, yeah, I, I will say that I, I like you. I've, I've always loved that old Republic era. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's almost hard not to to love it. But I, I I appreciate and I like that they're going to kind of this this moment in Star Wars history that even in the expanded universe they never mm-hmm. really touched that like thousand year period from like the end of the Rusan Reformation mm-hmm. to um and if that doesn't make me a Star Wars nerd right there I don't know what does dude that to, you just earned total credit. To to the Phantom Menace, like, but so I I, I really like this idea of like backtracking or backing yes. up like 200, 250 years and saying, okay, what was going on right here? Yeah. And I my my one hope, I guess, mm-hmm. is are they going to start to show how the Jedi at the pinnacle of their height start mm-hmm. to slip and Ooh. start to go down the other side of the hill? Yeah, I mean. Sorry to say, the idiots built a temple on top of another Sith temple. 
Yeah, yeah. There's some questions. There's some questionable decisions that they that they have to answer for. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there. And I think, again, I think I'm just as hopeful with you on this that that slip that the Jedi finally take, that one banana peel that throws yeah. them off their loop, is, is something that would be absolutely fascinating to see play out because we always see the, the Order 66 as the ultimate slip of the Jedi, which it technically yeah. is. But yeah. I feel like you're right. I feel like you could start to see those things even a thousand years before the events that we know from the prequels. So you're playing in that timeline and you're able to see that, oh man, you know, maybe the Sith were rising at that time. Maybe, just maybe, you know, again, we're talking about Plagueis. We're talking about different individuals that were also training a young Palpy at this time. So, yeah, there, there's this real opportunity in there to kind of say, okay, what was what were the Jedi doing during, like, at the pinnacle of the Republic here? But beneath the scenes, like, what were the Sith doing? What are these Sith Lords who are in the line of Bane, you know, six, seven hundred years after Bane mm. died? What are they doing to continue that legacy and and really get, you know, really set the stage and laying the foundations for that Revenge of the Sith that will come 200, 300 years down the road. Yeah, it's, oh, dude, I can't wait. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about a lot of this. Like, you know, we're getting teased with all this amazing stuff on May the 4th. We're going to head into the fall with the Mandalorian season two. And it's, I feel like this is our pinnacle point where we're saying, hold on a second. This is where the Star Wars flow starts happening. Maybe not with films necessarily, but this mm -hmm. is when we start seeing the news break. The stuff that we've been waiting for ever since yeah. Rise of Skywalker came out in particular. And all the things leading up to that. And I'm telling you, this is, no matter what anybody says about, you know, whether you like stuff or not, you can pick and choose what you want in the Star Wars universe right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's such a unique opportunity that I never thought we would have, and I never thought that we would see. But we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll they take they take my money every time. So yeah, I was gonna say Disney. Disney can just have my bank account at this point if they <laughs> if they want it. Um, <laughs> they got my card their their shareholders would probably appreciate that because I hear not a lot of people are going to their park. Right now. Mm, mm, anything, anything they're looking yeah. for you know, to help them out <laughs> at that point. But all right, Jeff, we've come to that time of the podcast. Every episode that we do here, especially on this special day, May the 4th, it's a little thing we like to call here at the podcast plug time. So, where can the good people find you across social media? Oh my goodness! Well, I I just got back on Twitter after a two year hiatus, I and in that, that hiatus, I I I had a child, so that was that. that it was it. probably a good thing that I was not on social media as much. Mm. Um, but I just got back on social media, and you can find me at Darth Abba, uh, which has multiple meanings, and <laughs> you can just think through all those multiple meanings. And yes, one of them is the Swedish band. Nice. Uh, but you can also find me at imperialtalker.com, where I still, to this day, five years later, write about Star Wars and just shoot the shit. That's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. Shoot the shit and tell everybody what's good in that galaxy far, far away. I agree Thank with you. you. 100%. You guys, super simple. Brick City Blockade over on Twitter at Brick City SWPC. 
over on Facebook, give us a like. T Public to rock the network. Patreon to support the the podcast in particular, and also Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those great podcast listening apps. Go on over there. Make sure to support us in that way with a like, with a subscribe, with a rating, whatever. You, I don't care. Give me a one star. I really don't. Just put a rating on there and tell me what you like and what you don't like. Because I need to know. I need to know what you like about the Star Wars universe. But anyway, enough of that. Jeff, awesome time. I cannot wait for the next one. I can't either. And until next time, may the Force be with you. And with you. Always. Tell that to Kanja Club.